for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, the Giants are planning to retire Will Clark's number 22 jersey this July. And while that ceremony may be up in the air, one thing is certain. How much his teammates feel that Clark deserves the honor? Which is why we're spending the entire week hearing stories from those teammates, like former Giants pitcher and now beloved Bay Area broadcaster Mike Kruko. There wasn't one time that I took the field alongside Will Clark that I didn't think I was playing with a future Hall of Famer. Not one time. In a three-part series, courtesy of the hard work of our senior editor and award-winning writer, Dan Brown. It's Monday, May 18th. All right, Dan, you told me about this a while ago, knowing I'm such a huge Will Clark fan. But even though I knew it was coming, I was blown away by the result of telling Will's stories through interviews with his teammates. So let's start there. How did you decide this was the way to tell Will's story? You know, it's funny. We kind of found at The Athletic that people really dig oral histories. But the key is you have to have a good subject, right? You have to have a colorful character. And Will Clark is a colorful character. Was there any other giant you considered before landing on Will? No. Will, you know, he had the peg of his uniform at long last. He's going to be retired this season, if there's a season, when there's a season, or maybe it's way down the line. But that number 22 is going to be hanging someplace. That was kind of the driving force behind making sure people knew what he meant and what he did. How long did all of these interviews take? Not as long as you think. I mean, for two reasons. Incredibly unusual circumstances, right? There's a pandemic and everybody is home. So people pick up on the first ring. But I think that's only part of it. I think people really want to talk about Will Clark. I think their memories are as happy as ours. I mean, the guys who played with them saw what he did for the franchise and did for them and did for the city of San Francisco. So it's a fun topic. You call them and say, hey, I want to talk about Will. In fact, Bob Brenly, I don't know him. I didn't cover him. So I went to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the PR guy says, eh, you know, Brenly turns down a lot of these things, but give me your number and I'll try. And I don't think it was 10 minutes later before he said, hey, Brenly's going to do this. Uh, stand by your phone. That was kind of the pattern of all these interviews. Well, all right, Dan, let's get to it. Is there anything our listeners should know before we dive into this great sound? Yeah, it's all true. <laughs> Some of these stories sound like Paul Bunyan type tales, but they're all true. And most of the time, if somebody heard a story that sounded nuts, somebody else would tell the same thing. And these were all eyewitnesses. They were there for the <laughs> Will Clark origin story. And don't doubt that these are true tales. All right, let's get to it. We begin with the arrival. Will was the number two overall pick by the Giants in the 1985 draft after starring in the 84 Summer Olympics for Team USA and winning the Golden Spikes Award, college baseball's most prestigious individual honor at Mississippi State. He needed only half a season in Class A ball in 85 before making an impression at spring training in 1986 on a team coming off a 100-loss season. Bob Brenly, take it away. He showed up that first day, and, you know, you would have thought he just got elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. This guy has so much confidence in his own ability that I want to watch and see why he's so confident. The aforementioned Mike Kruko. He just thought there was nobody in the plant that could get him out. I mean, he just thought he was the baddest on the mountain, which was great because, you know, we lost 100 games in 1985. Uh-huh. Which normally, when you come back in the spring, you know, you're going to be talking about that. But thankful for Will Clark, you know, he became the story of spring training and all of us veterans just kind of skated on in under the radar, which was nice. Former Giants and Mississippi State pitcher Jeff Brantley. They were just 
a lot of moments against the University of New Orleans when we were playing there, and a lot of it had to do with Will being from there. We were playing them in our ballpark. It was at the end of the ball game, and Will was one of those guys that he would just say it in the dugout, hey, this game's over. If I get to the plate, this game's over. And he would just say that. You just don't hear that. You know, but Will would say, if I get to the plate, this game's over. A skipper Bob Melvin. I played against Will in the, in the Legion World Series. He was Louisiana, I was with California at Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. He had a home run late in the game, they ended up beating us. Uh, I remember even then thinking, man, this is one confident hitter. Longtime National League foe Dale Murphy. You know, he could have just gone in like Horner. You know, when Bob Horner came in, when he signed in 78, his agent, you know, told Ted Turner, you know, I'm not going to minor league. What's this guy think? You, you know, who does he think he is? And he held out for a while, and then he came up and won Rookie of the Year. <laughs> I'm sure Will Clark could have done it. He said, uh, I, I'm just thrilled to be here, you know, in that, that Louisiana drawl that he had. And I said, well, we're thrilled to have you. As a matter of fact, that's your new name, Will the f- <laughs> and, you know, it was just one of those spur of the moments kind of popped into my head, uh, you know, the, the rhyming of will and thrill, and it just kind of popped out of my mouth, and uh, it stuck. Former Giants outfielder Kevin Mitchell. I used to call his house during the season, uh-huh. and the first thing here, his, his answer service go, it's B.B. King. The thrill is gone. The only pair of shoelaces he's ever had in his life are the ones on his baseball shoes. Because <laughs> after that, it's all cowboy boots. <laughs> Excellent transition, Crook. The boots, we have got to talk about the boots. Mr. Bob Brenly, would you like to start us off again, please? I remember uh, old Scottsdale Stadium. You know, the clubhouse was tiny, and he came strolling in there with a pair of, I don't know whether they were ostrich or lizard, some kind of really fancy cowboy boots. Bob Melvin remembers those boots. It's an expensive pair of boots for a young kid. Yeah. So it's not like that that, you know, doesn't get your attention, but he did. Changed into his uniform, went out on the field for his day's work, and uh, somebody snuck into the clubhouse during the workout and painted Nike swooshes on the side of Will's brand new boots and wrote his name on the back of them in orange paint. We painted his boots orange, had a beautiful pair of uh, cowboy boots, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we painted them orange, and we put Nike's swoosh on one, and Adidas stripes on the other, and, you know, we just completely them up. You know, the word kind of got around, hey, check out Clark when we get back in the clubhouse. So everybody was kind of on alert to keep an eye out to see how Will was going to handle this, and uh, he did exactly what he needed to do. He came in, he saw his brand new boots all disfigured and marked up, and he broke out laughing. Former Giants outfielder Dan Gladden. He put them on, and whoever did it uh, did a nice job with the with the solution <laughs> and the the orange of the Giants. Yeah, after he, he made the club and he broke north, he lived with Jennifer and I for two years. I mean, he was like another kid, and it wasn't until about halfway through the first year that he told me about the fact that they were his Olympic team. <laughs> so they definitely meant something to him. But you know what, though, I mean, I, he he knew exactly what it was all about, and. and Yes, he did, Krook. And he got it quick. Because of his scant time in the minors, Will wasn't expected to make the big league club in 86. But 
He hit 297 with five homers while showcasing a solid glove in spring training. And with the Giants coming off that 100-loss season, manager Roger Craig opened the door to feisty youngsters like Clark and second baseman Robbie Thompson, who'd never played above double A. Clark started the season opener, batting second. Crook, you got this one. So I'm sitting here on the bench, and he gets up there. Will, the whole time, you know, he, he's watching Nolan Ryan throw the very first pitch warming up. And he watched every pitch. He did not take his eyes off Nolan Ryan. The entire time he went down the bullpen, he saw Nolan Ryan like a bird dog. I'm not going to say that some players are a little scared when they get to the major leagues, but that's the truth. You know, you kind of feel your way along and you're not sure if you belong. You're not sure if you're good enough to compete against these guys that, uh, you know, maybe a couple of years ago you were collecting their baseball cards and now you're facing them in the Astrodome. We're all geared up for this. All right, we're thinking, Noah Ryan is going to go out there and he knows of his reputation. And all he's trying to do is give this kid some humility. He wants to strike his out and make him look bad. And so we're thinking it's a win-win situation. If he strikes him out, he gets a little humility. If he gets a hit, well, <laughs> then he's then he's raring to go. What was different? It just seemed like the, the worst of times, the most pressure-filled moments, the first time, I mean, against Ryan or in a big league uniform or in a in a ballpark in Fresno when you sign your first professional contract, he was going to show you why he belonged. It wasn't a mistake. It just happened. He made it happen. Nobody thought he was going to hit a home run. And damn sure nobody thought he'd ever hit one out the center field because nobody hit it out the center field in Houston. You needed a bazooka to shoot one out of there in that ballpark. Bo Mel, your thoughts? I remember my reaction. Mm-hmm. Shaking your head and just in awe. Uh, even as they bat went along. You know, these are once-in-a-lifetime epic at-bats that, that he did in his first at-bat at the big leagues. Lo and behold, he steps up. He gets a high fastball across the letters. Here's Olden's 1-1 offering to Clark. Fly ball deep to center field. Tony Walker heading for the warning track for Will Clark. It is out of here. Will Clark, his first major league at bat, and he pounds it over the 400 feet mark off Nolan Ryan. It was just the absolute perfect description of the problem. Former Giants first baseman and outfielder, Mike Aldretti. I was in AAA, and of course we hear about it then read about it, then watch it on ESPN. <laughs> and, you know, that was that kind of thought that I had in my head of, you know what, this guy is a bad man. Stuff like that is just, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's the stuff that players dream about. And, and it seemed like Will's dreams came true more than most guys. We were in awe. And I think collectively everybody in about 12-part harmony goes, who the f- is this guy? <laughs> It was a jaw-dropping thing. I mean, there was no, there was nobody going silent treatment. Nobody, yeah, it was him aside. Nobody said anything. Yeah. We were just couldn't believe what we just saw. And so it begins. While the uh, rookie initiation definitely continued, thanks to another clubhouse discovery. Here's former Giants pitcher Mark Grant. Crook and those guys. I mean, they, they were on Will hard. They were fans of him, obviously, and just you know trying to keep him in check by uh, getting on him. But I think. The one thing I remember is when they found out that his middle name was Neuschler. Oh my God, somebody looked at his license or something. There's Will Neuschler Clark. You know, and his middle name, you know, we're really <laughs> taking a one day and then the, the clubhouse in Scottsdale had two and he's in there and all of a sudden, you know, you can hear everything that's going in the room, right? Oh, the entire clubhouse. And all of a sudden, I hear Brimley go, Neuschler, what the 
cutting Amos Newfer. <laughs> and then all bets were off. And there was a runner first, ground ball hit to him. As he turned to the shortstop to throw the ball, he had this this contorted face look. It was hysterical, and that's what Brentley called his Newfer face. And that got a lot of mileage. Shoot, between Kuko, Brentley, and Mark Grant, the Newfer face, and then just the way he the way he talked and his high-pitched voice. Everybody, you know, took a crack at it. And, you know, it's one of those where when somebody tries to do it, and the worse it is, the funnier it is. <laughs> right. uh, oh, man. Will. <laughs> it's like Will Ferrell trying to do Harry Carey. You know, to me, you know, it, it doesn't sound anything remotely close to Harry Carey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know what he's trying to do. It's funny. So when teammates try to... Do Will's voice, it, you know, it made it even funnier. Will was almost like he was uh, impersonating somebody yeah. else when he would open his mouth. Uh, I mean, everybody had a version of it. I don't know whose was the best. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, Robbie Thompson was kind of a sleeper because unlike Will, Robbie was very reserved and very quiet and kept to himself. And uh, But when you could get Robbie to open up and, and make fun of his, uh, his uh, mate on the right side of the infield, Robbie was pretty funny. All right, Dan, we've covered the arrival, the boots, the Ryan Express, that incredible middle name. What stood out to you in part one? You know, just the fact that this guy arrived so confident. Any rookie comes in, it's usually the seen, not heard, and everybody kind of knows they have to earn their place. And Will took the opposite approach. As Brenly says, he walked in like he'd already made the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Melvin said he's never seen anybody else like that before. That might have irritated veterans in a typical clubhouse, but Will immediately backed it up. That first spring training, he hit five homers. He was making great defensive plays. He had a knack for the big moment. And for whatever grief they were going to give him and still gave him a little bit anyway, they realized that this guy was going to change their world. And he soon did, you know, an opening day with a home run against Nolan Ryan. I mean, that set the tone for literally a new era of Giants baseball because 86, 87, 88, 89 was just a slow build towards something much, much better. Yes, it was, Dan. Yes, it was. That concludes part one of our three-part oral history of Will the Thrill Clark. We'll be back with part two on Wednesday. Until then, don't forget that you can listen to us through any of your Google devices. All you have to do is tell your assistant, play the update with Kate Scott Podcast. For all of us here at The Update, hope you enjoyed part one of this week-long deep dive into Will the Thrill. If not, well, we appreciate you listening regardless. I'm Kate Scott. Have a healthy and safe few days, everybody. Looking forward to talking to you again on Wednesday.